But it is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited to be here. And I was thinking just as I was preparing, I just love being able to come to church each Sunday morning. To me, it's kind of like a family reunion every week. You get to see family, you get to interact, you get to say, hey, and oh, you're my long lost brother or sister. I haven't seen you in a while. What are you up to? So it's always fun to be able to do that. And as Pastor Mark just alluded to, we just wrapped up a series on exploring Ephesians, and we made it. We made it through six chapters, better part of three calendar years, right? Yes. And then I know we joke about it, um, but I love that we get to dig into God's Word and that we can just mine such great information. And it's not information, but it's things that we can apply in our lives. And so that's why I'm excited today. And although we're starting a new series next week, um, I get to launch a new series as well, or at least I was thinking about it, um, on the book of Job. An exciting book, right? Everyone loves the book of Job. It's only 42 chapters. So here's what I was thinking. I only preach a couple times a year, so if we go through Job, probably we'll finish in about 84 years. So I think that sounds pretty good, right? So who would not love to hear me preach when I'm 126? Yes. All of us are probably just hoping that we can hear at that point. Um, so it's good that we get to do that. We get to just dig into his word and to put your mind at ease, I'm not going to start a, a, an 84-year series on the book of Job. So turn to your neighbor and say, praise the Lord. So what I do want to do, though, is I do actually want to go to the book of Job this morning. Um, I've been reading through it and uh, turn to Job chapter 28, verse 20. And I just feel like God has been putting this passage on my heart. I went through it and it just, you know how sometimes you read the word and it just strikes a chord in you and you just feel something when you're reading it? Uh, well, this is kind of where we're at with this. So, If you remember the story of Job, you recall that Job was a good man. He had a large family. He had many sheep. He had a lot of oxen. He had donkeys. He had camels. He had a great amount of servants. And he served God. That was what he did. That was who he was. It just spoke about who he was in general in life. But then his entire world basically collapsed. He lost his uh, animals. Raiders came and snatched them up. Um, others were destroyed in the fire. All of his children were killed in one incident on, uh, in, in a home. And to top it all off then, Job was afflicted with painful sores all over his body. Job, you could say, was going through a rough stretch. That's probably an understatement of the year, right? And as Job is trying to process all of this, he's trying to figure out why this happened to him. Why, Lord? Why me? Because, like today, the popular theology was that bad things happen to wicked people, good things happen to good people. They don't mix. Well, that's the thought process. I wouldn't say that that was good theology, but that was the popular mindset. So Job is trying to figure all of this out, and along with his three friends who came alongside, and they had that same mindset, like, good things happen to good people, Bad things happen to bad people. And they kept condemning Job for whatever evil and wicked thing he had done. 
over and over in the first part of the book, they keep going, Job, what did you do? You need to repent. This has happened because you are evil. You've done something bad. And Job's saying, no, this isn't, this isn't what I did. I don't understand what is going on. So in Job 28.20, he goes on a tangent, a rabbit trail, if you will, while trying to work this all out in his mind. So let's read the last part of Job 28. It says, Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and the path for the thunderstorm, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. And he confirmed it and tested it. And he said to man, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. So again, as Job is trying to understand why all of this has happened to him, he says, where does wisdom come from? Where can I find understanding? How am I supposed to figure this all out? Because this isn't jiving with what I know. I thought I was in good standing with the Lord. So why have I lost everything? My kids, my possessions, my flocks. We would say things like, why has so-and-so gotten ill? Why did, why did my grandma just die unexpectedly? We have these questions that happen in our lives, and we try to process it. We try to make it all work, and we ask, where does wisdom come from? Where can I get the right knowledge to understand this? And when Job asks about wisdom, he's asking where he can find or discover the knowledge of what is true and right so that he can begin to process this and live it out in his life each day. He wants to have the insight into how to act and live. How do I respond to this? What am I supposed to do? He wants to gain an understanding so that he can make sense of the mess that he's in and try to move forward. But he doesn't see where it can be found. And we saw that he probably won't be able to find it on his own. In verse 21, it says that wisdom and understanding are hidden from all living things. Not even the birds of the air can look from above and see it. Man who is able to do many things, in his time, they could mine for things. They could dig up jewels. They could dig up precious stones. Today we can do things like build airplanes or or rockets that take us into the far reaches of the universe. But to find wisdom, we just can't go to a place and uncover it. It's not like we can go to a cave and say, oh, here's wisdom. Here's the fountain. Here's the, the drips of wisdom that I can glean. All that we do know is that God knows. And God possesses wisdom. If you remember, he is all wise. He is all-knowing. Wisdom has been with God from the very beginning. It may be imperceptible to man, but God sees all and he knows all. And with him all wisdom and understanding resides. Things that we, you and I, cannot even begin to know or understand. Isaiah 55.9 says, My ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So 
he summarizes in verse 28 and states that God has said where wisdom is for us. Job acknowledges that God has said to all of mankind, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to shun evil is understanding. Catch this, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. If we want to understand and know how to live, how to respond, how to deal with things, we need to go to the Lord. We need to have a proper fear of who he is. And I just love how everything that has happened so far, even this morning, has just pointed to that effect. We've sang about how great our God is, how good he is. And many times we can say those things, and we're going to see how it needs to go beyond just saying or thinking those things. Now, when we talk about the fear of the Lord, I want to make sure that you understand that this fear does not mean that we cower in a closet. We don't go to a corner and just we're, we're afraid of God. That's not the fear that he's talking about. Rather, the fear of the Lord represents this idea of respect of God. We trust him. We revere him. We have a deep feeling or attitude that just says, you are great. We have awe towards him and we trust him. And the fear of the Lord really comes from that which he births within us, that we just want to follow him and, and, and imitate him and, and do the things that he is showing us, the things that he is uh, modeling for us. And we can say, I want to be like that, his character. And so the fear of the Lord starts when we think about and we meditate on the Lord. And then it allows us or we allow him to mold and shape our lives. A.W. Tozer speaks to the importance of this several times. But here in one writing he says, The basic trouble with the church today is her unworthy concept of God. Our religion or our relationship is weak because we see our God as weak. Christianity at any given time is strong or weak depending on her concept of God. And in another writing, he says, Worship is pure or base as the worshiper entertains high or low thoughts of God. For this reason, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. And the most portentous or significant fact about any man is not what he at a given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. You see, what we know or believe about God will drive much of our lives. We need to have the right frame of mind concerning God. We need to have the right thoughts about God before we can even begin to follow him or serve him. We need to have an understanding of who he is and know the truth about who he is. Suzanne read some scripture about who God is. And those are the types of things that we need to, not only, we need to have up in our heads so that it can begin to flow in our lives. We need to know things like in Job 38, it says that God is the one who stores up and sends out the snow, the rain, the lightning, and the hail. He has all of creation in his hands. We need to know that in Isaiah 61, he is the one who proclaims freedom for the captives and release for those who are imprisoned. We need to know that in Psalm 104, all creation looks to him for their provision of food at just the right time. We need to know that in 2 Chronicles 20, he rescues us and brings deliverance when we don't know what to do. We need to know that in Psalm 103, he is compassionate and gracious 
and he abounds in love towards us. We need to know that in Psalm 27, he will keep us safe in the day of trouble. And just so you don't think it's only an Old Testament thing, we need to know that in 2 Corinthians 12, his grace is sufficient for you and his uh, power is made perfect in your weakness. We need to know that in Ephesians 1, yes, Ephesians, that he has chosen us and adopted us as his sons and daughters. We need to know that in Philippians 1, he has not only begun a good work in you, but he will also keep working in you until Jesus returns. We need to know that in John 3, he loves you so much that he sent his own son on your behalf to die and be a sacrifice for you. We need to know that in Colossians 2, he forgave us all our sins through Christ. And I could go on and on and on. I could tell you that he is good that he is trustworthy, that he is mighty, that he is our healer, that he is our strength. He is our peace in the midst of the storm. He is our comfort. He is near to each one of us. We need to know each of these things. And there are so many more things for us to know about God. His word is filled, filled with truth for us so that we can begin to have that proper understanding of who he is. We can begin to fear the Lord. We need to frame these things in our minds. We need to have the proper narratives concerning God ingrained in our minds. We need to understand what is true about God and not the popular theology or the things that people think about God. We need to base it on what he has revealed to us through his word and through specific revelation. But the revealed truth that comes from God is laid out for us. He lays it out in his word and he speaks those things into our hearts. And this is where the fear of the Lord begins. But it doesn't stop there. It isn't just enough to know facts about God. Right? We can know tons of facts about anyone. Men, we can know the statistics about our favorite football or baseball player. We can know where he went to high school. We can know the things that he drinks each day. But that doesn't mean that we know him. We know about him. And we can say that about anyone. We can know about that latest fashion designer. Or we can know the popular celebrity. We can know all of these things, and media continues to feed us that information. But we really don't know them. We know about them. So we need to take that knowledge that we have about God and let it sink into our hearts into our very core. We need to have it not only ingrained in our heads, but also implanted in our hearts so that we can begin to move on from there. If we want to cultivate a healthy fear of the Lord, this knowledge must become central to our being, central to our beliefs and our value system, things that we act on. So let me share a story from my childhood as an example. When I was growing up, I was the son of an Assemblies of God pastor uh, for the first uh, many years of, uh, of my childhood. And as part of that, they instilled in me a great uh, need uh, and desire to read the Bible. I loved reading the Bible. My grandparents, uh, when I was five or six, gave me a Bible um, that they had gotten because they donated to Oral Roberts. And so I had a great picture of Oral Roberts in the back of my Bible with blue plaid pants. It was awesome. 
I thought that was weird even back then. Um, but I, I loved it that I had my own Bible that I could read. And I would read it probably voraciously. Um, and some of you are like, okay, nerd, geek. Yeah, yeah probably is true. Uh, but it's one of those things that I really love to do. To the point that I loved, and here again, nerd alert, I loved the genealogies. I loved reading them. They were, yeah, I know, that's weird. Um, but I loved knowing who begat whom, and who was the father, or who was the child of whom. And it helped, for me, just like I got this great big picture of, of the Bible and, and all the characters. I loved reading the Old Testament stories of how God would bring the children of Israel through all of these different things. And even to the point, yes, I, I will put up the nerd alert again, I had memorized at one point all of the kings of Israel and all of the kings of Judah in order, and I knew who was at the king at the same time. All that, yes, nerd alert, shocker. I will reiterate that over and over. But here's why I bring it up. I was gaining a lot of Bible facts, and I had a lot of Bible knowledge. But that still didn't change me from the inside. I still was an angry, hostile, selfish child. And I constantly let anger get the best of me, especially toward my sister. Uh, yes, yes, we, will, we could tell stories later, uh, but this is being recorded. So, <laughs> finally, I did reach a point, though, where I understood that I needed to make all of this my own. I needed to take what I knew in my head and apply them in my life. And as I grew older and understood these things more, the Holy Spirit would begin to speak to me and say, you know what, let's begin to work on that anger and temper issue that you have. Or, you know what, you've been acting a little bit selfish lately. Let's work through that. And each of a, one of us has to come to that point where we take what we know and we allow it to penetrate our hearts. We allow it to become a belief that we hold. And ever since he preached about it uh, last month, Pastor Mark mentioned this about faith. He said that faith is the ability to apply quickly what we believe as an answer to everything the devil hurls against us. You raise up what you know to be true about God and you stand on it. You begin to act upon it. And we appropriate or we take hold of what we already know about God and we begin to make that our own and we begin to believe it and it causes us to act differently. Just this past week, I had to deal with this in simple, ordinary life. We all have lives that are, what did we say earlier, less than optimal, right? So this past week was one that's normal for, for many people, just like everyone else, the Lewick family is back in full school mode. Uh, we have kids who are engaged in sports and musicals as well as their studies. We're trying to navigate all of these things, and sometimes we have people going in different directions like every half hour, and we are trying to figure out who's picking up who at what time and where. Um, Amy's also getting back into the swing of teaching again. So after 16 years of being away from the teaching world, she got a, a part-time job right at the last minute before school, so she's flooded with everything that has to happen. So we're trying to find this new balance in, in the household, and we're going through those types of adjustments. 
So at the beginning of last week, I knew that I was going to be preaching, and I'd been thinking about uh, things throughout, up, leading up to that time and, and trying to figure out, okay, how are, what's all going to take place? And I'd been doing some studying on and off, but now you get to that point where we're in, we're in sermon prep mode. We need to get this done. Uh, the deadline is looming, right? Um, but you know how life just kind of happens, and all of your good faith attempts just kind of, okay, they can get derailed. It was homecoming week for Grafton High School. So if you've ever had a child go through homecoming, and you know that that can be a busy time, there's extra activities, extra things to go through. Micah also had a cross-country race on Monday, so we're running to that. Um, Two people in the house started the week sick, and so you're trying to navigate all of those things. The brakes needed to be replaced on the car. So when are we going to get that done? Because they're getting extra squishy right about now. I needed to schedule a root canal for one of my children. So we're trying to figure all this out. Um, Even here at church on Wednesday night, the projector just did not want to work with my laptop. So the video that I had prepared wasn't going to work. And to top it all off, I find, and on two separate occasions, I catch two live mice in our home Who doesn't love live mice in their home? Solo cups work well. Just scoop it and run out of the house. If you want, you can throw it right in the garbage, or if you're feeling extra ambitious, you just take it and you whip the the mouse out of the cup and just let it fly. Super mouse, right? Mighty mouse, yes. Enough with my extermination tips. So all the while, I know that I need to prepare a sermon because selfishly, maybe even pridefully, I want to do a good job because I want you to hear some good words. Now, normally I don't let too much get to me. Normally, I'm a relatively even-keeled guy. But for whatever reason, this week, a lot of it just kind of built up. And you know how you feel it in your body, right? You just feel like the heart is tightening up. Everything around is just kind of tightening up. And I was trying to play it off, calm, cool, and collected, probably failing miserably. Um, But I can feel that general level of stress building in my body, tightness. And finally, on Thursday, it's do or die time. We've got to get this done. And I am not feeling it. Uh, We've said several times, sometimes things come by inspiration, sometimes by perspiration. I had a lot of perspiration, a lot of pain going on. And to the point of worry and concern that it's not going to come together. And please know, I'm not saying this for any kind of extra grace or good jobs. That is not my intent. But insight into what sometimes happens behind the scenes. So it was finally in that moment on Thursday... I had to get a couple things done, and then it was, we got to work on the sermon. But in the midst of that, I had what I believe now is, was kind of one of those spirit-inspired thoughts. And I just remembered, and he called to mind what it says in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, And it spoke to me in that moment. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. I had to just stop and rest in that thought, in that moment. I had to just take a a breath, 
literally. And just remember, this is God's. This is God's family. He will not let you down. Well, he shouldn't. Um, But I had to stop and just take the truth of God's word and meditate on it. And just realize, you know what? You will bring me through this. I can just rest in you, do the work that needs to be done, but I will rest in you. Now, that may be just an example from everyday life, but what about when something bigger happens? Sometimes you're hit with a situation that can rattle your cage. Some things that just kind of shake you. For us, I recall vividly, we were uh, getting ready for Micah to be born. And he gives me a look. (laughs) And in each of the pregnancies, Amy had different complications. And we were in the hospital. uh, Things were moving along for delivery. And all of a sudden, the, do- ever, the doctor and the nurses just kind of, they, not panic, but they kind of just, okay, we have to stop and assess. And they were starting to lose the heartbeat. Um, it, she'd been in labor for a little while, um, and things were moving along. But it was in that moment that all of a sudden they stopped, and you could tell, okay, something's up, we're not... You know, we're lay people. We don't get it. But something was wrong. And in that moment, they, they stopped and they said, okay, we are, we're starting to lose him. We need to do something. So in, in the next minute, all of a sudden, they have everything uh, set up and they are wheeling Amy into the OR to uh, possibly do an, uh, an immediate C-section because his heartbeat was at a point where they could not even find it anymore. I hate that. (laughs) It's vivid. But you stand in those moments and you say, after the shock and the awe goes on, you stop and you say, wait a second. I know my God is mighty. I know he can handle this, but I need help. Who can I call quick? We need to pray. This is what's going on, but I can recall that in that moment, just having to stop and say, okay, God, you are faithful. I don't know what you're wanting to do right now, but I know that you are able. And I think it was a couple minutes later, all of a sudden, and this is what Amy is telling as she's in the OR, all of a sudden the doctor stops and they literally just wait and they pause. And the heartbeat comes back. And it's probably 10 minutes later, all of a sudden Amy is wheeling back in (laughs) and she still doesn't have a baby. (laughs) So it's in those moments, though, that you get rattled to your core and you're like, what is going on? And we have to just sometimes call out to him and ask others to join us. Sometimes we have to enlist others in those moments to say, my faith is a little weak, I need some help. And that's where we can come along with each other. And it's in this moment where his wisdom takes root in our lives as we appropriate the truth of what we know about God and his word and we put it into practice or action. And this causes that knowledge to move from our head to our hearts 
and ultimately through our hands or our actions. When we walk in the fear of the Lord and he imparts his wisdom to us, we begin to change. By the power and direction of the Holy Spirit, we are transformed. We begin to think differently. We begin to do things differently. We begin to say things differently because of what God is doing in our lives. The things that we've known in our heads have now become implanted in our hearts and they come out in all of our actions. Again, Job 28.28 said, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. Wisdom is found by being in in right relation to him, the fear of the Lord. And it is expressed or shown by a life that shuns or departs from evil. We begin to say, I want to model my life after you. I want to imitate you. I want to have characteristics that are like you, Lord. And when you begin to shun evil, it shows that you are taking God's wisdom and you are allowing it to change and shape your life. As God reveals his wisdom to you by his Holy Spirit, you begin to make those conscious decisions to avoid or abstain from some of those evil habits that you once participated in, that you find out are not helpful to life. Or you may even understand that they're downright destructive. And you may, you may get to that point where it, it's like a light bulb. And like, why was I ever doing that? But as we have the fear of the Lord, we have this desire to follow him, to imitate the model he gave us in the person of Jesus Christ. We open ourselves up to his will, surrendering ours in the process. We submit to his lordship in his life, and we say, have your way, Lord. Proverbs 8.13 says, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. And that's kind of that synonymous thing where when we fear the Lord and as we have that healthy and true fear of him, our lives begin to change. We no longer want to do some of those things. And it's, sometimes it is a process. It is a thing where we don't realize all of these things right away. But the Lord is going to reveal them to you. It might be through someone, but sometimes it's that impression even in your heart. Like, eh, maybe you shouldn't be doing that anymore. We begin to engage in those practices no longer, one by one, as the Holy Spirit directs us. And it's because we love him that we purpose in our hearts to follow his commands. The fear of the Lord involves a loving reverence and awe for God. This, like we've said, includes having head knowledge, which then we allow to be implanted in our hearts, which then flows through our hands and our actions. And it starts with being open and available to the Lord, having a desire to know him more and understand him better. And for myself, I've discovered that even to begin to obtain wisdom, I must fear the Lord. I must reverence him. I must have an awe and a respect for him, a trust. I want to walk with him. I want to love him. And then, as I am trying to engage in those things, I begin to grow in wisdom. And believe me, I have a lot more growing to go. I have a lot more growing to go. And I want to. That is my desire. And the second part that comes out of that is that I begin to shun evil. I avoid those evil things, those things that just don't glorify God. And then understanding begins to grow and be evident. Fear God, shun evil. 
make the continual choices to trust God and run away from evil or selfish acts. So as we close, I simply ask, when was the last time you simply opened yourself to the Lord to spend time attentively in his presence, to meditate on him, to gain deeper insight into him so that you can have a greater reverence and appreciation for him, where he can affect your head, your heart, and ultimately your hands. Would you stand this morning? Lord, we thank you that you are God, that you can be known, and that you want to be known by each one of us. We thank you that you love us so much, that you have revealed truth to us through your word. We thank you that you have given us principles to, that show your character, that show who you are, and that we can live by them. And Lord, we thank you that we can, we can reverence you and be in awe of you if we choose to do so. Thank you that you reveal yourself to us in big ways, sometimes just